Welcome to the premiere episode of the Funded Today podcast. On today's episode, we're going to go over how Funded Today started, how my business partner and I, with very little experience, have now helped to raise over $200 million and counting in just the last four years, and some takeaways for how you can apply the lessons we learned to your own business ventures. The Funded Today podcast is hosted by world-renowned entrepreneurs and business experts, Thomas Alvord and Zach Smith. To get help with your next big business idea or to take your business to the next level, go to fundedtoday.com. Well, I'm excited to be here. My name is Zach Smith. And this is Thomas Alvord. And together, we co-founded Funded Today four years ago. And in that time, we've generated over $200 million for crowdfunding campaigns on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Uh, we also run marketing on on Amazon and on people's websites. We do video design and and we've created an agency of over 50 people now and we all work remotely. And in the process, we've we've actually learned a lot of techniques and skills. We've never really shared this information besides some blog posts here and there. And so we're hoping to share some of those lessons that we learned and some of those techniques and strategies that you can use for your own business, for your own ventures. And how we got started is kind of a, a unique history, a unique story. We weren't even planning on starting Funded Today, but it kind of all started with Zach. Can you believe it's already been four years, Thomas? Man, I still remember when it was you and me and I was running a consulting practice and you were kind of doing some political advertising and we'd kind of just go back and forth on Skype. One thing led to another, and we just chatted for, I mean, it was at least a year or two before we even started to do any sort of business together, wasn't it, Thomas? Yeah, I think it literally was just kind of going back and forth. And that first time you reached out to me on Skype, kind of doing some networking, which you were good at and, and have always been good at. And, and yeah, we kind of just met. I think we had met up maybe once in Salt Lake. Yeah, it was, it was for um, your sister, Tiffany Alvord, the, the YouTube star. We were going to do a little consulting and help with her, if I remember. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So really, we had only met up really one time, and our conversations had just been digital or virtual over Skype. And then I got into crowdfunding kind of haphazardly. I had a consulting practice, and I had some pretty good clients. One of my clients had invented a product that has now become world famous. It was called the Rue Sport. They were looking to get some funding. At the time, I had never heard of rewards-based crowdfunding which is Kickstarter and Indiegogo predominantly. And they came to me and they said, hey, I know you charge on retainer. I know you charge by the hour. And I know that you don't necessarily want to work for free. But what if we give you a percentage of all the money that we raise and you do a crowdfunding campaign for us on Kickstarter for this Roo Sport product? And at the time, I was in a pretty decent position financially. So I said, all right, let's go for it. And after a couple months, we designed their page, we made their video, and then we launched. And that is where Thomas comes back into the picture. Our first several days, we did pretty good. We raised thousands of dollars, but then we reached that plateau that, for those of you who know about crowdfunding, you probably know what I'm talking about. You kind of just stop raising the money that you raised the first days from all of your pre-launch efforts and once all your friends and family get involved. And I had done everything... I knew as a consultant, I had built a pretty large email list. I had messaged all those people. I had all kinds of friends and family lined up to back and pledge for this Roo Sport. But I thought there was more. And I am sure glad I reached back out to Thomas because the rest kind of became history. Yeah. So you reached out to me 
and you were trying to find anything and everything you could do to market your campaign on Kickstarter. And there was a service that did uh, Facebook marketing. And you reached out to me and you said, hey, does this look like a good deal? Does this look like a good service? And it basically was, pay us $500, we'll run targeted ads. $750, we'll run more targeted ads. And $1,000, and we'll run the most targeted ads. And I looked at it and I said, yeah, this looks incredibly stupid. (laughs) First off, you should always start with your most targeted audience and see how that converts. If that converts as a positive ROI, then you go broader and then broader and broader. But you always start the most targeted as possible. And then I also said, this doesn't make sense either. Why would you spend just $1,000 if it works well? Why not spend $10,000 or $100,000? And if it doesn't work well, why would you keep spending money if you know it's not working out? And so I just said, sure, I'll, I'll give this a try. Or maybe you ask, hey, do you want to run some stuff? And back then, tracking was really hard. So I threw some ads up, ran some traffic, and the campaign spiked up and was doing five or seven or $10,000 a day. And we're like, hey, is this from my efforts? I come from the world of affiliate marketing. So I'm used to people kind of taking credit where maybe they shouldn't be taking credit or how did this happen or where's all these pledges coming from suddenly? And quite frankly, because as Thomas mentioned, back in the day, Kickstarter their tracking wasn't very good. They didn't even have Google Analytics. You had to invent your own ways of tracking things. And at this point in time, Thomas hadn't even done that. And so suddenly we see these pledges start to spike and it's doing 7,000 bucks a day or something when it had been doing very, very little. And I'm asking what's going on. I'm wondering if Thomas is doing something crazy and my clients, Earl and Brenda, are starting to wonder, well, this is great, but what's he doing? Is our project going to get in trouble or how is all this raising money? Because we don't know that he's running some marketing um, on Facebook using some paid media. So we decide, hey, let's shut everything off and see what happens. And Thomas gives a little bit more detail into what he's doing and we shut everything off. I don't know. We paused it for maybe a day or two or something, Thomas. Yeah. And then we saw it. Oh, look, (laughs) everything died down. I guess it was from our effort. So then we turned it back on and then for the remaining 10 days or two weeks or however long it was. And, you know, the campaign raised over $100,000. $115,000. This was huge. Suddenly, a lot of people were having a look at this couple probably in their late 50s, maybe 60s, suddenly raised $115,000 for this attachable magnetic running pocket. A lot of people started knocking down the door, but the door they were knocking down didn't exist. It was just me and Thomas and we didn't have any advertisements or anything. When that campaign was over, I said, okay, here's what you owe me because you kind of just hired me (laughs) directly to work on that. And I said, okay, sounds good. Talk to you later. And I was going to go back to working with my political campaigns. And I went back and and I was doing consulting. Yeah. and, And literally there was no plan to start a business. And then that's when the Free Waves campaign on Kickstarter, they reached out to Brenda and Earl. And they said, hey, what did you guys do at the end of your campaign? You guys ended with the bang. You guys raised so much money right at the end. You did great. And they said, our campaign was the opposite. We've raised $170,000, but our campaign is dead now. And with Kickstarter, it's all or nothing funding, meaning you have to hit your goal or you don't get the money. And so they, they had a goal. $130,000 more. 
They'd raised 170 yeah. grand, which is massive, but they needed $130,000 more to get to 300,000. And like Thomas mentioned, we have this thing called the spike at the end. And the spike at the end is when all of our marketing efforts combine together to form a massive amount of raise in the last week or few days of a campaign. The Freewave team saw this and they wanted it. And they reached out to the only person they knew, my client. And I didn't necessarily know everything Thomas was doing at the time. I only knew what I did for all the pre-launch side of things and all of the upfront type of marketing. And so I went to Thomas and said, hey, here is a client. They need to raise 300 grand. They've already raised 170 grand. What do you want to do? This backstory is kind of really interesting. I mean, it really does illustrate like the risk return in a business because at this point, and I'm going to give a little bit of backstory about myself so you can see the, the situation and the quandary I was in. Basically, they said, hey, we want you to run marketing for the, for the free waves. This was the creator of free waves, but you got to cover the ad spend and we needed to raise $130,000. So let's go back about four years. So this was 2014 that this is happening, summer of 2014. About four years prior, I had graduated from law school at Brigham Young University in Utah. I had taken the bar. I was a member of the Utah bar. I kind of dabbled practicing some law here and there. But while I was in law school, I actually saw my brothers. They had a company and they were running uh, Google AdWords. And day in, day out, they were making money. They were making money when they were sleeping. And I was like, dude, this is, this is crazy. I want to get in on some of this. I, I want to learn how to do this. I started learning Google AdWords and I started learning marketing. And I had a couple different business ventures, probably three or four or five that I, that I started. I had tried launching some other products and those had failed. I had tried launching an online petition platform and that had failed. Here I was with a law degree and literally just the, the summer before, I had gone out and done summer sales selling direct TV, even though I had a law degree, right? Because I, I was trying to, to have a venture that would take off, something that would work. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and nothing was working. And my wife, at that point, we had a, a boy, a, a two-year-old, and my wife was kind of upset, like, dude, just go get a law job. Like, this is ridiculous, right? We don't even have money to pay rent and to buy groceries. But I'm like, no, I know we can do this. Like, let's just keep going. And so at that time, things had actually just started to pick up. And I had a client, I was working on a US Senate campaign doing email lead generation. And it was going really well, except for the fact that the client had like a $60,000 outstanding invoice. And I had like $40,000 in credit card debt that I had actually borrowed my dad's business credit card because I didn't have the money to put on the Facebook ad account. And so I'm like, whoa, this campaign, Roos, uh, not Roos Sport, uh, this campaign, Free Waves, they want us to front the money and all of the risk to raise them $130,000. And right now, I have $60,000 that I'm trying to get, but $40,000 in credit card debt on my dad's credit card. And I was like, man, if I go for this and it fails, like it's going to hurt really bad. Like I don't really have the ability to do this. Juxtapose that against my situation. I was pretty successful. I had a pretty good consulting business and I'm about the most conservative person you'd ever meet at this time in terms of taking financial risk. And the client was technically my client. And I go to Thomas and I say, look, man, that's $130,000 risk. And at this point, Thomas had run a few tests 
He had kind of shown that the data was there, that we could potentially make it happen. By the way, there's only about five days left in this campaign. So not only do they need to raise $130,000, there's only five days left to get to that $130,000, to get to the $300,000 goal. And I basically tell Thomas, hey, that's cool. Your tests worked. We've only ever done this one time with the Roosport. I don't think that's statistically significant. How about you give me a finder's fee for sending to the client and I'll let you rock and roll and figure out what you want to do. I didn't even know Thomas's backstory that he just told you then at the time. I didn't know where he was at or anything. I, I just thought, this is crazy. He's going to take his dad's credit card and see what he can do to make this campaign succeed. And I, I walked away at that point in time and I just decided to follow along and and that's something pretty exciting happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I ran the test. And at that point, the client's like, hey, go for it. We know you can do it. And the data looked promising, but I didn't know. And they're like, no, come on. We know you can do it. And it's like, yeah, easy for you to say. And again, the tracking was not good back then. Like like, like, like we said, you didn't, you didn't know what your stuff was doing. You couldn't break everything down by ad segment like you can now. You couldn't track everything granularly. It was just, is it raising money or is it not raising money? And where's it coming from? Who knows? In fact, there was only, was it 15 or 20 or 25 total sources that would even show up on top of the Kickstarter dashboard. Kickstarter has this little dashboard and on the back of it, there's only a few sources that even show up as where all your pledges are coming from. And a lot of times that would only account for 30, 40% of the total money raised. Yeah. So you would actually have to run traffic and track for, you know, $5,000 in pledges from one referral source before you'd even see if you were getting results from that marketing effort. But anyways, it, it was difficult. And the client's like, hey, just go for it. We know you can do it. Because I had told them, hey, I'm going to have to pass. And they're like, no, go for it. We know you can do it. It's like, yeah, easy for you to say, right? Because the risk is all on me. But I conceded, I guess. And I said, okay, let's go for it. And so we ran the marketing, putting all the money on my dad's credit card, again, for this as well. And five days later, we had raised over about $150,000 more. And what do they end up at? Three hundred twenty thousand, or yeah. I mean, it was it was well over the three hundred thousand dollar goal that they needed. Um, it was exactly three hundred twenty five thousand two hundred eight dollars. Okay. And then at that point, we're kind of like, hey, it looks like we might be on to something. Like, I think we might have something. But but even then, like my primary focus was still the political stuff. It was like, hey, that was a nice gig. But then little by little, we had more people who started reaching out to us saying, hey, could you help us here? Or, hey, can you help us here? And so from there, it just started slowly growing. And at that point, I was thinking, wait, do I partner with Zach? Like, I don't really need Zach. I'm the one who knows the marketing. And Zach, he's just kind of one doing the sales or the operations. Um, and, and we ended up obviously partnering and have for the last four years. Well, the story gets even a little bit crazier. I don't know how much backstory we want to do, but one day I wake up and Thomas and I are talking daily at this point in time because we have so much interest coming in because of the Roo Sport story. A lot of people are starting to look at that one, the Free Wave story. Um, lots of people from Utah are suddenly hearing about us. Again, the, the word of mouth kind of thing spread like crazy. So I wake up one day and Thomas, unbeknownst to me, is like, hey, Zach, have a look at this. And he starts sharing his screen with me on Skype. And he's got a website called Funded Today, and it's like a landing page that I think he built with lead pages or something. Again, lean startup. There's a takeaway for you. Everything we did was very lean to start. And he says, hey, look at this. And he had some ad copy on there. He had some images. He had some sh stuff showing the spikes at the end. 
And I was like, funded today. Fun-, and it wasn't fundedtoday.com. It was funded.today. And back then I was still a big fan of .com. You know, you thought that mattered for SEO and all that kind of thing. And I was like, funded today. Why? What the heck? And I was like, ah, why, what are you doing this for? Why are we building the website? What's going on? Are we like starting a business together or something? Because like, talk, like we both kind of thought, well, we we both have our ways of making money and, and doing business. We didn't necessarily think that we were going to start a business together, as crazy as it sounds. But it, it, it kind of wore on me. And I mean, the name of this podcast is Funded Today. So that shows how well the name ended up wearing on me. And it just made sense. And I thought, you know what? That's great. That's good. And Thomas took the lead, created the website. And from there, traffic was crazy. Suddenly, we were getting all kinds of inbound submissions, all kinds of people wanting us. In fact, because it was just Thomas and me, we couldn't keep up with the amount of people wanting to hire us. And we were just joking about this earlier today because people still at Funded Today are talking about operations and different things. We're like, man, we've come a long way in four years because we used to not even be able to respond to a lot of the people that needed our help and that we would have actually been able to raise a lot of money for. And essentially from that point forward, Funded Today was born. And what's interesting is... Once we started going, it was gradual, right? We weren't doing a million dollars in revenue from month one, but you know, 12 months in, we were doing that. And, and I think part of what I've learned is, is looking at stuff is you can't expect to be a massive company in a day or in a week. And some of the biggest companies, if you look at them, they've been around for like 100 years, right? Now, granted, we took off. And within three years, we're doing over $10 million in revenue. There's something to be said about that too, Thomas, just from like a business perspective. When you can do something that very few people can do, and at that time, pretty much we were the only people in the world doing this, and that's why the demand was so high, you can also charge a lot more. And I think that's where you need to look for opportunities as an entrepreneur and as a business person. What do you know that nobody else in the world knows or that very few people in the world knows? Where are you an expert? Where can you charge those premium prices and get premium results that nobody else can get? And that is what Thomas and I found gradually and slowly. Like like he said, we didn't suddenly start a business after the Ruse Port or even after Free Waves, but we saw the demand, we saw the need, and we noticed that nobody else was able to do what Thomas and I had discovered. And it led to remarkably fast growth and a remarkably lucrative company in a very short period of time. And I think that's why we are so passionate about crowdfunding. Rewards-based crowdfunding is so much better than angel investing or venture capital or equity crowdfunding, which is new, or ICOs, which are initial coin offerings, which is even newer. And, and here's why. Rewards-based crowdfunding is... So much better, in my opinion, and the reason why I'm so passionate about this particular form of crowdfunding versus all the other ways of of raising money is for a few reasons. Number one, validation. This is really the only type of way that you don't have to have the rich father-in-law or the rich uncle or the rich family or come from money or have, have a savings account to put forth an idea and then have normal people like me and Thomas and millions of others across the world pledge money for that idea in exchange for that product in the future. If I have an idea for a new wallet, to make the example easy, and I want to charge $50 for that wallet, 
and I need $10,000 to bring that wallet to life, to make my first minimum order quantity, MOQ is what they call it, then I can create a little video, put together some ad copy, launch my product on Kickstarter, and charge $50, and try to convince hundreds of people to give me $50, essentially as a pre-order, for my product. With angel investing, you don't get that. You convince somebody you have a good idea, and then they give you the $10,000, and they take equity in your company. With ICO, same thing. You create coins, and then the coins create value for the company. With Shark Tank, they like your idea, and then they take equity in your company, and they give you cash. This is the only form of crowdfunding that validates whether you have a good idea or not by going directly to the customer. They call them backers, and the backers vote with their wallets on which ideas are good and which ideas are bad. And then you can take the good ideas and start businesses with them, and then you can pivot or completely disband the bad ideas in the quickest way ever imaginable. And I think that's what makes me so excited about crowdfunding and the future opportunities within crowdfunding. And that's why we're doing a podcast, because we think people like you can learn what we've learned even faster than we've learned, and it's only been four years, and create amazing businesses and learn from both the mistakes and the triumphs of Thomas and myself so that you can get your new ideas funded today as well. Well, and it's not just what we've learned, but also the lessons we've learned across thousands and thousands of campaigns that we've worked mm-hmm. with and different uh, products Very true. And, and business ideas. And a caveat to what Zach said, rewards-based crowdfunding, without doubt, is the superior way to bring forth a new venture that it, that's a product. Now, if you have something that's, say, a service or a restaurant, right, or something that's localized, crowdfunding, rewards-based crowdfunding is not going to be your best bet because people are putting in money in exchange to get a product back, right? Or, I mean, it could be a service, but it would need to be like a digital service. So in in those cases, it's not as applicable, but a lot of the business principles that we've learned and that we'll be discussing obviously are applicable. And, you know, another principle that we've learned is that, you know, you have a good business idea when people come knocking on your door and you immediately are making money without even trying. That for me, that's one of the the best principles as I'm looking at investing in other businesses or uh, starting other businesses that we might be doing together. Is out of the gate, is there a demand for it that you're not you're not even advertising the service and people are knocking on your door? And that's why people have hit us up, you know, for e-commerce marketing and for video design and for Amazon marketing. And for other forms of marketing and creative services. And it's not easy. Like Thomas's backstory shows, look at all the things he tried before he found this particular avenue. I think that's what you have to do. You have to continue to test out new things, try new things. And eventually, you'll see the demand for the idea that ultimately trumps all of the other ideas that you've had. And it's all about staying lean and being quick. And being able to listen to the customer feedback and the feedback from others as you go about this entrepreneurial journey. And in terms of being lean, we recently uh, applied, and and this will actually be coming out shortly, um, that funded today, our our agency is in the Inc. 5000. 
uh, for the first time because this was the first year we could apply. But as we were going through the numbers, what struck me and Zach, and we kind of just chuckled because we really do believe in, in lean startup mentality, is we had generated over $100,000 in revenue and we had not spent more than $1,000, excluding our ad spend, right? Of course, you have your ad spend. But outside of our ad spend, we literally hadn't even spent more than $1,000. And Thomas and I look at businesses every day where they come to us. We've invested in these businesses ourselves. And they've got $5,000 for an office and $280 for printing and $500 for business cards and all these other things to make it seem like they're playing business, the whole entrepreneur kind of thing. And really, what we've learned through raising hundreds of millions of dollars and becoming multimillionaires ourselves is that even the best ideas can be run as lean as possible and should be run as lean as possible because you can always add that bulk and that substance once you've validated, there's that word again, whether an idea makes sense to pursue full-time as a business or not. And you can do that as lean and as efficient as possible. So something really fun that we have thought of that we wanted to do for our podcast, and there's no special name yet, so vote in the comment section or send us an email or something if you come up with a creative name for this. But for now, we're calling it the Funded Today Product or Idea of the Week. And Thomas and I will always each pick one for every podcast episode. And the one I'm picking is B&B Pure. They're customizable headphones that adjust to you. They are really really awesome. The creators are from Basel, Switzerland. The campaign has already raised over $600,000. There's only 14 days left. Hopefully this will still be live by the time this podcast episode goes live. But if not, I'm sure you can pick them up on Indiegogo in demand or on an e-commerce or Amazon website in the future. But these headphones are so great for just a few reasons. Number one, they're customizable headphones. They adjust to your hearing. Um, the rewards are really good. You can get them for an extremely good price, saving over $100. And Everybody hears a little differently. These are the first headphones that actually adapt to everybody's unique style of hearing. You're going to have to watch the video. You're going to have to read the page. But I think you're going to find that the out of all the headphones we've ever run, and we talked about free waves on the, on the podcast earlier today, these might be the coolest ones you've ever seen. So go check them out. Um, we'll provide a link in the podcast and on the website so that you can check them out as well. But my pick of the week is B&B Pure Customizable Headphones. My campaign of the week is the Nyreka Smart e-bike that's on Indiegogo right now. And what I like about it is it has an assist mode that's based on your heart rate. So depending on how fast uh, you're going and, and where your heartbeat is, it'll either assist you more or less so you can maintain the same uh, heartbeat. So it's a pretty cool uh, smart bike. Uh, you can check it out on Indiegogo right now. And that's the Nyreka Smart Bike. So that's our show. We, as you can tell, we are very excited about teaching you the ins and outs of getting funded today. We'll start with rewards-based crowdfunding and who knows where the future will take us. Funded Today is the worldwide leader in rewards-based crowdfunding on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Combined, they have raised over $200 million and counting for thousands of new ideas and inventions worldwide. If you've got an idea for a new product or invention, visit FundedToday.com to speak with one of their experts.